Thank you for tuning in to The Grammar of Grief with your host, Uma Girish, the show that is dedicated to creating a safe space to discuss the big life questions around grief, loss, death, and dying. Now, here's your host, Uma Girish. Welcome to The Grammar of Grief. Today is our guest episode, and today my guest is Deborah May. Deborah May is the writer dedicated to helping women recognize and honor their need for rest. She is the author of Permission to Rest, How to Cultivate a Life of Self-Care, Rejuvenation, and Nurturing the Spirit. After several decades as a certified financial planner with over 40 years of experience in the financial services industry, Deborah May experienced a state of burnout at the same time as the 2008 financial crisis. This burnout also included a physical breakdown, and upon recovery, she was determined to give herself permission to rest. She now dedicates herself to bringing this message to a wider audience. With her husband, Dennis Stevens, an alternative care practitioner, she divides her time between Houston, Texas, and the Red Rock Spiritual Center of Sedona, Arizona, where she plans to create retreats and offer ongoing seminars. In honoring her need to rest, Deborah May tends to her beloved Rose Garden and sequesters herself to enter the mysterious state of silent rest and rejuvenation. That is such a beautiful introduction. Welcome, Deborah May. Thank you, Uma. It is an honor to be here uh, as your guest. I admire your work. You're doing such beautiful, powerful work that is so needed. So I thank you for that. Oh, that's very kind of you. And I think your work is very timely because we live in times that are so crazy. We are hijacked by technology. We have lives where there are no clear boundaries between work and play. So I'm going to start by asking you, what is your definition of rest? Well, I appreciate you beginning with that question because I think there's a lot of confusion out there and many individuals think that when they're sleeping, they're resting and this may not be the case. So the definition that I've created is that rest is a state of being that links the body, mind, and spirit, turning us into an open vessel for receiving inspiration and restoration. Very different from falling, from being asleep. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know there was a difference. I personally thought rest and sleep were the same thing. When you slept, you got your rest. And when you rested, um, you kind of revived from that state of being drained or empty. But you make a very clear distinction between sleep and rest. So let me ask you about grieving people, because as you well know, my work involves grief and loss healing. And grieving people typically take on more work and try to stay busy and distracted so they don't drown in their pain. Would you say that affects their sleep and how so? I would say it definitely affects their sleep. 
And that's why I mentioned that sleep doesn't often bring the restorative benefit that you need. And resting is much more regenerative than sleep is. To give you an example of something that uh, I consider very restful and you may be quite familiar with is meditative practices. So when you're meditating and you're alert, but you're also in a state where your being is connected on many levels and open to receive restoration, open to receive regeneration and inspiration, that will actually bring about more well-being than tossing and turning and trying to go to sleep. That is beautifully said. In fact, that is something I try to practice myself because oftentimes I find myself coming awake at 3 a.m. And instead of tossing and turning, what I do is I try and go deep inside I get really quiet and uh, sometimes I pray, sometimes I chant affirmations, but that gets me in a really nice deep state. And before I know it, I've drifted off to sleep. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, So I don't know too much neurobiology. I know some, but what little I know says that when we suffer a loss, our brain is hijacked by fear. The brain is scrambled um, because it's agitated. What it thought was familiar and safe is no longer true. Rest, as we know, is something that requires us to relax. So given these contradictions, what do we need to know about resting during our grief experience? Well, the first thing you need to know is that if your brain is scrambled, if your thinking is muddled, if you're becoming confused, that that is a symptom that you need to rest. Mm. So I, I actually have a list in my book of what I call the signs and the calls for rest. And that is definitely one of them. If you're having a difficult time focusing, that is, is, an, is an example of resting. Uh, that I'm sorry for the need to rest. So what that's telling you is that you're not practicing regular periods of rest. And as a result, your mind is just going 90 to nothing and getting confused and getting muddled. So the answer is to stop, go within choose a resting practice and there there are some other examples we can talk about that will revive and regenerate you so what i'm hearing you say is that and this is quite um new even for me so i'm i'm enjoying these new insights what i'm hearing you say is that when we come to bed we need to feel rested already. In other words, if we come to bed feeling agitated or nervous or our mind is going a million miles a minute, then it's not the most conducive um, space for sleep to happen. You're making an excellent point, Uma. That's exactly right. If you're putting the regular periods of rest, activities during your day that are rest-related, then when you get ready to go to sleep at night, you will go to sleep and you won't have the tossing and turning. And I love the beautiful uh, practice you just shared of saying, if you do wake up, of putting yourself back into that state of rest 
through doing a mantra or perhaps through praying or repeating an affirmation. And that takes you back into that place that's deep within that will restore you. Beautiful, beautiful. So I know you speak a lot about this in your book. um, And let me remind listeners the title of your book. It's called Permission to Rest, How to Cultivate a Life of Self-Care, Rejuvenation and Nurturing the Spirit. I'm going to ask you to speak a little bit about the reasons why we push ourselves so hard. It seems to be something everybody does. It's sort of the accepted norm in our culture. If you're not pushing yourself, people self-judge and self-criticize as lazy or being inadequate or not showing up. And living in a competitive culture that we do, we constantly feel the need to keep running on that treadmill and just not get off. So what are some of the reasons why we push ourselves so hard? Well, it's cultural conditioning, as you mentioned. I I call it a cultural disease. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) But I've devoted a chapter to the why, what I call the why, and we, we've heard many times the saying, how does she do it? Looking at a woman who's balancing so many balls in the air between social commitments, community activities, their business, raising children. The, the real question isn't how does she do it, but it is why does she do it? And this, there's not a simple answer for everyone. There is a root that is at the core of why each of us do it. That's, that's a little bit different for every one of us. But if I'd have to draw a, a pinpoint conclusion, I'd say that you're avoiding something. And that something may be painful. And you're thinking that if you just keep pushing yourself and keep busy, that you'll get your needs met on the outside, perhaps from validation Uh, or accomplished, perceived accomplishments. But truly the work that needs to be done is on the inside. And if you're willing to take time to rest, you open the space for what needs attention to come to the surface. And then you can take the next step. You have choices at that point of how you want to address what has been revealed And since, you know, you mentioned grief, and obviously that is the focus of your work, your beautiful work. And if it's grief that comes to the surface, then that grief has not been totally processed and is making itself available to you to welcome it in and heal it. And that healing process, as you all know, will be different for everyone, but you can you have the choice you can pick up the phone and call a friend and talk about it or you can get a book that addresses it or you can hire a professional to work you through the grieving process which speaks to what you have devoted your life to uma mm-hmm. so uh, the the resting is the is the first step and you have to have the courage to stop the, the crazy life and take the time to go within and allow your attention to go to your needs. 
Yeah, that is so beautifully said, Deborah May. And I love the point you make in your book about, you know, how we have this idea that if we stop, if we let go, somehow our lives are going to come crashing around us. So we keep pushing even harder when we should take a stop and take a breather and reset. Um, and you talk about uh, this woman who who took time off and then came back um, and found that she had more clients to work with by taking time off and just focusing on herself. She actually generated um, more fulfilling work and income. The very same thing happened to me as I was reading your book and it was uncanny. And I thought I should tell the listeners about this. This isn't some woo-woo thing that, that Deborah May is talking about, but I went and spent a, uh, a, uh, an entire afternoon with uh, an 85-year-old friend of mine. She's a mentor, a friend, a confidant. I went to her place. We had a really nice lunch together. We spent a lot of time talking. She shared with me some of her favorite books, told me stories from her life. I told her stories from my life. And it was an incredibly beautiful, almost magical afternoon. I had spent that whole afternoon not thinking about work, not doing a shred of work. Well, when I came back, there was an email in my inbox where a client had just bought my six-month package and she offered to pay in full. It has never happened to me. Never. This, this painful thing has never happened to me. And I was so excited. And the first thing I thought of was, oh, my gosh, this is what Deborah May talks about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's music to my ears, Uma. Time so true. Time and time again, it has worked that way for me as well. And it's a, it's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? Because our culture says, you know, if, if you don't, if you perceive you don't have enough, then just work harder to get it. And it's just the opposite. You have to let go and open that space so that what is waiting to come in will be received. So true. Yeah. So a common complaint I hear from my private clients is that they struggle to fall asleep and also stay asleep because many of them are dealing with heartache. Can they create some soothing bedtime rituals to help this process? Yes, I'm a big believer in setting the stage for rest, which I believe would apply for bedtime rituals as well. And you and I are on the same page as far as perhaps using sweet-smelling oils, incense before you go to sleep. Maybe not a candle since you won't be awake to blow it out, but... uh, all the senses need to be nurtured. So if you can do something to create an atmosphere that you feel comforted and safe and nurtured, a practice that I do quite often is just taking a lovely bath before I go to sleep. And that really helps me relax. Beautiful. Can you also share with us some conscious ways to relax and rejuvenate? So, for instance, if someone wants to take a day off just to relax and rejuvenate, what are some things that they need to bear in mind? How can they prepare to create that space? Well, the first thing is to place their attention on how they want to create it and 
they'll need to carve out time. So they, they need to look at that day and say, okay, what hours am I, when am I going to wake? When am I going to sleep? What hours do I want to devote to this rest? And then there are a number of different ways that you can spend that day resting. And perhaps they want to give some thought to what would be maybe speak to their soul more than any other. A couple of examples would be you could spend the day near a body of water. So you could drive down to a beach or a lake with no agenda whatsoever other than to rest, to be connected with nature and just observe and listen. That's something that I think nurtures me, so I'm throwing that one out there. But if you're a person who uh, wants something more stimulating than just sitting and watching the waves at the shoreline, I I have an interesting one in in my book called uh, Lingering. And you can go to um, an antique shop and just linger and look at beautiful things. And for some people, that is actually restorative because typically they're just rushing in and rushing out and they have such a tight schedule. If you have a whole afternoon, you can just linger and not have any agenda, nothing particular in mind, just to go look at beautiful things for the afternoon. (laughs) And in that particular suggestion, I have to come home with magazines and just lounge and look at pictures and just notice what comes to mind or what draws your attention in what you're looking at. And sometimes from there, an idea or an inspiration will be born. That is great advice. That truly is great advice. Because I think you make a really good point about having to schedule time for rest. We didn't have to do that back in the day when people observed the Sabbath. It was just understood possible and everyone did it or at least the people who felt that they needed to honor that day of rest enjoyed the sabbath we don't have that practice anymore at least most of us live our lives crazy busy we don't know when saturday and sunday shows up we're doing laundry and stocking the groceries and cooking for the week that's coming up So I think it is really, really a good idea to schedule time and say, if it's three hours, it's three hours, but I'm going to do Wednesday afternoon, maybe three to six. Or if you have kids and that's not possible, make it a point to carve out maybe 45 minutes to an hour just to yourself, just to sit down and read a book or go to a cafe and do something for yourself, not be surrounded by other people's influences and not be submitting to other people's agendas. So I think you make a really good point about scheduling time. Now, people oftentimes confuse self-care with self-indulgence. So can you help us understand how these two are different, self-care versus self-indulgence? Self-indulgence falls in the same category as confusion, muddled thinking. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. another symptom that you're not resting appropriately. 
life is out of balance because when you do have regular rest and your needs are met, your inner needs is what I'm speaking of, Uma, when those needs are met, there's no tendency to self-indulge. But I do have a, a page in the book called The Pendulum Swings, and it shows you how we will go from one extreme to the other if we're, our lives are off kilter. So if you deprive yourself, you're going to, at some point, end up self-indulging. <laughs> so, right. And then when you indulge, you're going to end up berating yourself for it and depriving yourself again. <laughs> and you can go back and forth on that pendulum until you make a conscious decision to create a regular resting practice that is part of your life on an ongoing basis so that you feel good, you're nurtured, you are getting your needs met, and you have no tendency to, to overindulge. Right. That is very well said. Um, the way I, I try and take care of myself, one of the things I like to do, because I love reading, reading is one of my first loves. Um, I'm trying more to read when I tell myself I shouldn't be reading now, I should be working. Oh. In, the middle, yeah, in the middle of the day or um, you know, the beginning of my day, when I feel I really should be checking emails or uh, working on a course outline or preparing for a talk that I'm about to give, I just say, I created this business to serve myself and serve the people I love and to heal the planet. I shouldn't have to worry about should do and must do. In other words, I created this business and I wanted to serve my self-care needs as well. And so there should be no judgment about when I do what. If reading a book feeds my soul, and in my line of work, it is my soul that's serving people. I give from my soul. So anything that nourishes my soul can only make it better for me to serve the people that I serve. So I have tried more and more to not to have rules about when I should be doing what, but just to tune into my inner voice, as you said, recognize the inner need for when I should be doing what feels good to me and come from that place of self-care. So, I couldn't agree with you more, Oma. So um, as we wind down, I'd love to wind down with a little quote from your book, um, if I may, Deborah May. This is by Marianne Williamson, and I think it's really good. I, by the way, I have lots of underlines, lots of notes in the margins. This is a great book, listeners. So if you're listening, go over to Amazon and look for this book, Permission to Rest. It needs to be on everyone's shelf because it's like a manual for self-care. When you run out of ideas, just, you know, open the book, turn to a page and, and start reading and you'll find something that inspires and uplifts you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. So this quote by Marianne Williamson really spoke to me. And this is what it says. If, in fact, the highest, most creative work is the work of consciousness, then slowing down, we are not doing less, we're doing more. Having slowed down physically, we are in a better space to rev up psychically. Isn't that the truth? 
When we slow down physically, we rev up psychically. And when we rev up psychically, as we were just talking, opportunities open up. Things we didn't, um, we didn't think we could manifest just show up magically. Mm-hmm. And that comes from that opening we create and only we can create it. So if you are struggling with storylines about, you know, this isn't possible. My life is just too busy. Um, I have to work for a living. And I, I'm sure all of that is true. But ask yourself, what are the stories I'm telling myself about the rest I need? Why am I not able to give myself that space to rest? And that's a really good place to begin the conversation. So before we go, Deborah May, I would love for people to be able to find you, find your book. So what, what would you like to share about your website, how people can work with you, um, where your book is available, all of that good information. Thank you, Uma. The book is available on Amazon. I think it's uh, nine ninety nine. And I do have a website. It's uh, www.debramaywhite.com, D-E-B-R-A-M-A-E-W-H-I-T-E.com. And that's, it's a WordPress press site that I post occasional blogs on with ideas uh, for rest and sometimes stories, inspirational stories of what's going on in my life. And I don't post all that often. Uh, but I like to choose a beautiful photo when I do. And my intention is uh, in 2018 to rev up the site and be more active on it. So I welcome anybody's feedback as far as that's concerned. Oh, what a beautiful conversation. I'm so grateful you made the time to, to be here with us and share your wonderful thoughts on rest and rejuvenation. I couldn't thank you enough, Deborah May. The pleasure is all mine, Uma. Thank you again. And thank you to all of you for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this show, share it with others. The Grammar of Grief is available on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. And you can also go over to my website, umagirish.com. There is a free download that you can get if you just um, put in your personal information and that's a pdf called 10 gentle ways to beat brain fog while you're grieving so head over to my website check that out i post um, regular blogs on my website there is an events page where you'll get to know about all of my upcoming talks and workshops so make sure that you subscribe to the newsletter and you will receive something in the mail every week which is inspiring, uplifting, and useful on your healing journey. So take care, everyone, and stay tuned for further episodes on the Grammar of Grief. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Grammar of Grief with Uma Girish. If you enjoyed the program, please leave a review and rating on iTunes. Connect with Uma at www.umagirish.com. That's U-M-A-G-I-R-I-S-H.com for grief guidance and inspiration.